All right, good morning, party people. Welcome to the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. I am your teacher of the mysteries, preacher of the heart, Marty Leeds. As you guys know, it is 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, and we do Sunday service then, and that's why you're here. So thank you all for being here today. I am your Beecher Preacher. We are coming live from Beecher, Wisconsin. And that intro song was called Be Still My Soul. Nice, beautiful piano. Uh, nice, nice work there. Um, and that was sent over, uh, was Marlene, our friend Marlene, sent that over yesterday of, of it was of her playing it. I, I was going to use that track, but there was some audio issues in it, so I decided to use a different track. But she had sent over her playing that uh, the other day, and it was really beautiful. And so I figured, what a great way to start the show, so let's do that. Um, but she sent this over. It says, Be still, my soul. The Lord is on your side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to your God to order and provide, and every change he faithful will remain. Be still, my soul, your best, your heavenly friend, through thorny ways leads to a joyful end. So she had sent that over, and I thought that that was pretty beautiful. So thank you all for joining me this morning. Yes, you are listening to the Nas Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. If you're watching this on BitChute or Rumble, or we'll be getting Odyssey up pretty soon here, thanks to Content Safe. Go thank Content Safe. So thank you content safe. We're streaming to uh, YouTube and Rockfin, as you guys know, and we're on all the podcasting places, the Apple Musics and the Podbeans and the Spotify's and all of that sort of stuff. You can also get this at the Flat Earth, Sun, Moon, and Zodiac app. And yes, I did say that app name correctly. It is the Flat Earth, Sun, Moon, and Zodiac app, and you can get that on the site. You can get it on like Google Play and all the places you can get the phone things. But you can go <clears throat> on my site, GnosticAcademy.org, right there. I know you guys can read. You go up to the top. There's a menu there. You go, you click on it, and you get that app. And you get that, and then you can go, and the Sunday sermons are on there. Great app. I highly recommend it. In fact, I just had a conversation this this week about some people that had some questions. They are like, well, if your earth flat, really? And I'm like, well, what about this? And I'm like, boom, bitch. We got, oh, oop. I'll explain this in a second. So, <laughs> I'll explain that in just a second. So, um, yeah, they were asking questions about, oh, the earth planet, what about this? And I'm like, here's all the questions, here's every video, here's here's a proof that all the videos are being censored, have at it, I'll see you next month. So it was really great, because then, they, then they're like, blah, 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 blah. So anyway, you can get this service there, so do it. So let's get, we got a lot to talk about today, this is probably going to be a long one, but um, it's going to be a good one, I promise it's going to be a good one. How's my, uh, is my video off or something? No? It's good? Okay, cool. Um, so let's get some thank yous out of the way. Justin Fletcher. Before we say uh, the rest of the thank yous, I want to thank Justin Fletcher. He had sent over uh, an image of a picture, not an image, an actual picture. He snapshot it of uh, some metalwork that he did um, that he's working on right now. He's got the Vesca Pisces there. got the Trinity. You've got the, tri you know, the circled square, the whole bit. Hey, Ben Krupp, I left you this. I left you a message this morning, dude. <laughs> So funny. So funny, Ben. Anyway, so great, great work there. So thank you, Justin T. Awesome, man. Uh, member of the church there. So thank you, Justin Fletcher. Alina Contevero. Alina, uh, if you're listening, I hope the conversation that we had last week, I hope I made some sense. I hope I calmed some nerves for you, that sort of thing. I'm glad. Welcome to the church. I'm glad you know, you're asking questions. And I absolutely understand everything that you're going through. I can't empathize, but I can sympathize. And as, as I said, that's one of the reasons all the trauma that you had experienced in the church and all that over the years, we're trying to undo that. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Reclaim and resacralize is what actually what we're, we're doing here. So um, uh, so I appreciate the conversation the other day. J.M. Grassi, Mark Boone, Deborah Stille, The Styles, Ruth Scott, Stephen Mahew, is that how you say that? Truth, Sika, The Sika, John, uh, Carrie Musgrave, Lucy Short, Virginia Murray, Alicia Crowfoot, Jen Brew, the pious, small axe brother. 
Gareth Turner, Jason Reed, Marcus Boone, Michael S., thank you so much for all the support. Andrew Masonette, Liz, the I am, Stella, uh, Coda Van Dyke, Jared Poole, Chad Myers, LNC, uh, Allison Flynn, Terry Tom Tomoe, uh, Tamioka. I don't know how to say that, but uh, hopefully, hopefully you'll be getting your book uh, this week, and you are welcome. And then Daniel Hager, thank you so much for all the love. I uh, just want <coughs> a few things for, what did, what did he say, Alina? Yes, I'm here. Okay, Alina, I hope, like I said, I hope that conversation helped. Um, that's what I'm here for. So I also want to say a few things. Um, where there's a channel that's, that's translating a bunch of what we do here into Dutch, and so basically, um, not like into the, as far as I know, not into the Dutch language, but explaining the English and everything like that in Dutch. So, and there's a whole channel called Dit is Logos. And they've got, I don't know, five, six, eight videos, something like that up there discussing this. So if you do speak Dutch, you know, whatever, if you're Amish or something, then maybe you can go over there. So appreciate it. Okay. We've got a new, um, <laughs> got a new thing here at the Gnostic Church Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. And it was inspired by Mr. Small Axtic chopping down a big tree man. So, uh, his daughter has a swear jar. And so every time she swears, she has to put a quarter in, um, you know, so to get her to stop swearing. So since so many people have been commenting about my incessant potty mouth, I decided to do a Veda swear jar. So this is uh, Small Axe's daughter. And so what I'm going to do is every time I swear, I'm going to throw a quarter in to the swear jar. And then at the end of the month, uh, we're going to count all the change in here. And then we're going to send a check to Veda for to maybe, I don't know, for her college fund. Hopefully she doesn't go to college. because That's just more indoctrination. But whatever she'd like to do. Maybe she'd like to go to Europe or something like that. So Every time uh, Marty drops a fuck bomb, a quarter goes into the Veda swear jar, and hopefully that will prevent me from swearing moving forward, because for how much I swear, eventually your daughter, like, Johnny Depp's going to be jealous of your daughter, because your daughter's going to end up owning, like, islands by the end of this service. So, anyway, so that's what we're going to do. So every time I swear, I'm going to drop a quarter in, and at the end of the month, we're going to count all these, and then I'm going to send a check to Scott Blair's, uh, Mr. Small Axe's daughter there, Veda, to help her for her college fund or whatever it is. So so there you go. So this will be the new segment on the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, you know, let's just say fucking A, right? Okay. So, and as you can see, it's already been a rough morning. <laughs> so, okay. So, all right. One more thing, and then we'll get, get going. Uh, my wife is... Um, she painted her first masterpiece. <laughs> she painted... She, how am I ever going to possibly get through this? There's just no way. She, she painted her first masterpiece, and it is called The Milkman of the North, and this is the one-of-a-kind painting right here. Now, i got to say, Jennifer is not an artist. This is the first time she's ever painted a watercolor before, and she painted, of course, of our dog, Blind Willie McShakes, and I actually think it's pretty good. Like, I think, personally, I mean, I'm biased, but everything my wife touches uh, turns to gold in my eyes, so there's a little bias there. But honestly, considering she's not an artist, this is the first time she's ever done watercolors, I actually think it's a pretty damn good job. So we decided to um, sell this online. So Jennifer's first ever masterpiece that she's going to sell online. So we decided to do an... Uh, an eBay uh, run. So this, we've got an eBay that's on eBay right now that you can bid till all the way next week. And so we're going to try to, um, you know, sell this for a, a good chunk of change because it's obviously a masterpiece of art. And no offense to my wife or anything like that. It's actually a really good job. But so I, we got the idea from 
So I want to I want to genuinely thank, and this is not no sarcasm at all, like literally. I want to genuinely thank Made by Jim Bob for the idea. So, Made by Jim Bob, he sold one of his first books of memes, a book of memes for a thousand dollars, and he accepted that money from somebody. It was a book of memes, and so I figured. Now Jennifer is just this is the first time she's ever picked up, uh, you know, watercolors. But I figured since Jennifer's first time being an artist is extremely comparable, if not way freaking, way fucking better than Made by Jim Bob's there. I figured what we could do, since he sold that for $1,000, we're gonna try to send, we're gonna do a bid on this for eBay for uh, and try to get that up as, as much as that, right? So, <clears throat> um, so there it is, it's on eBay right now. Jennifer will share the, it is a masterpiece. I know, you don't need to tell me. Jen Brew, it's fabulous, I know. I can, I can see high art, okay? You don't need to tell me. <laughs> so this is the eBay. So you can go and it's called uh, the it's called Milkman of the Nort, and that's my blind Willie right there. And we started the current bid uh, at six dollars and sixty six cents. It's up to twelve dollars right now. I think it's twelve dollars and thirty cents. So um, so there's that. And just so you know, this will the money that we gain from this will not be going to the blind Willie McShakes rescue fund. We will not be doing that. Uh, so any of the money that we get, we're actually going to give to uh, somebody that just recently lost their job in the church here. So instead of being greedy artists, we decided to, we're going to take the money, everything that we get from the eBay, and we're going to donate it to someone here that had just recently lost their job. So this is Jennifer's first ever watercolor. is now for sale on eBay. It's entitled The Milkman of the Nort, and it's uh, of our blind Willie uh, McShakes, our blind and disabled dog. Oh, I'll, I will explain, baby. Oh, this is a whole segment. I'm not even done yet. I've just, we just, we just got started, baby. <laughs> so the bidding starts at $6.66 and you can buy it now for the low price of $4,320. That's just the multiplication of Jesus. So, but if you want this piece of art, $4,320, buy it now. Now that money will not be going to us. And I said, what a steal for $4,320 literally a steal. So just imagine you can own this one-of-a-kind masterpiece hand-painted by my wife. This is her first ever watercolor and as you can see it'll, it will assuredly go down with some of the greats as Durer, Da Vinci, and Monet. All monies will be donated directly to a member of the church that just lost their job <clears throat> and we will ship it out. We'll pay for shipping. We're going to frame this baby and ship it out for absolutely free of charge. So we were recently inspired by a greedy artist online. Um... We were recently inspired by a greedy artist online and thought this would be a great way to alchemize such behavior into something positive and truly help somebody in need. So uh, a, a member of the church here, Anjay, just um, just lost his job. And so we were like, hey, well, let's see what we can do. Let's get some money into his pocket. So auction will go till next week and the winner will be announced next Sunday. So God bless all of you. Uh, happy bidding and good, good luck. So what, what's that? Oh, so now, no, and I'm not trying to make light of your situation, Anjay, or rip on my wife's wonderful paintings. But that said, Anjay, I really don't think I'm going to be sending you much more than a check for probably like 14 bucks. So don't put the down payment on the yacht just yet is all I'm saying. Okay. This is the intentions good execution kind of shitty. 
So, okay. So anyway, so that's, uh, and just to explain some of the, the, the elements of the painting here, I just want to go over this because this is, this is truly a, a mag magnificent piece of art. So, uh, on the upper right there, um, as my, my, I guess up here, as you can see, I guess, uh, you know, my left, your right there. Uh, that is the Holy Triumvirate, the Holy Trinity of my blind Willie McShakes. And that's the three things that he loves the most, milk, uh, meat, and mama. So those, it's the, it's the holy, it's like the triumvirate, the trinity of Blind Willie McShakes. So, and he goes crazy over milk. He loves his fresh meat and he loves his mama. And so, um, and the, so you're wondering, well, if Jennifer's mama, where's, where's Papa in this, in this painting? There is no fucking Papa. There's no, there's no fucking Papa. Okay. So anyway. So there's uh, the Holy Triumvirate, milk, meat, and mama, the three things that he loves the most. And then um, his favorite his favorite constellation, Cassiopeia, because it's in the shape of an M, represents the queen, which is, of course, mama. And if you look at it in the right way, it kind of looks like a three, which represents the, th the Holy Triumvirate, milk, meat, and mama. So... And so then there's one last element, of course, you see uh, Blind Willie's third eye exploding from um, the amazingness of the milk, meat, and mama. So once again, so you can have this for the low, buy it now for $4,320. And I promise you that all monies will go directly to our friend Anjay here, who's a good, good man. He's a good man. And so we would like to alchemize that greed and, and turn it into something really good, you know? So so thank you for to my wonderful wife. You can bid on that now. Um, like I said, uh, you know, don't be, don't be like, you know, booking the flight to Vegas just yet, Anjay, because we're probably going to send you a check for about 19 bucks. But um, like I said, the thought is there. Okay, let's do a prayer and let's get on with this, this show here. Dear God, the world may be filled with people who have attained their goods through ill-gotten ways, but, Lord, my heart remains at peace. I choose not to envy them, because I know what I possess is far better than any earthly thing, the gift of salvation. Thank you for always being there for me, Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about that good old serpent, the devil. Uh, you know him, right? That freaking snake. Amazing memes, right? I know. I know, Anjay. You don't need, once again, you don't need to tell me. I can recognize high art. <laughs> what a bunch of shit. What a bunch of shit, huh? So, we're going to talk about, this is episode 51 of Sunday Service, Matthew chapter 4, Jesus tempted the devil. Let's do some Bible study, people. So, we're going to talk about <clears throat> when that good old Jesus got drug up to a mountain by the devil. And the devil was like, hey, you want all this stuff? You can have everything. And then we get to hear what uh, Jesus had to say. So, <clears throat> pardon me. Let's do it. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Okay, let's just break apart. Huge clues are being, thank you, Jared Poole. For the contribution. I missed somebody over here too, I believe, did I? I think I missed a super chat. I apologize if I did. Andrew Masonette, let's get this party started. Thank you so much, Andrew Masonette from the Vegas, brother. Okay, so huge clues being 
given to the reader right there in the first sentence, right? Specific things to help you understand where you are, where Jesus is being led, who's leading him up there, the whole bit. Then Jesus was led up of the spirit. What do we know about this upstairs? Spirit, matter, celestial, terrestrial, metaphysical, physical. Where is Jesus being led? He's led up of the spirit. He's led up into the metaphysical and spiritual realms, which means he is being led upstairs right now into the canopy of stars. So the book is telling you, look up, look up. That's what it's doing. <clears throat> into the wilderness. And we talked about the wilderness. When we come, when we recognize and we start with the foundation, the presupposition that this is astrotheological, that this entire book right here is astrotheological. So we start with that presupposition. We understand that, hey, whatever's going on in here, they're going to be talking about star study. They're going to be talking about Kabbalah. There's obviously symbolism. So we start with that foundation. So we read this and we say, where are we right now? They're telling us where we are. Jesus was led up of the spirit. We're in the spiritual realms. Into the wilderness. What is the wilderness? We've defined this. Once again, the wilderness is a tract or region uncultivated or uninhabited by human beings. An area un essentially undisturbed by human activity. No people live in the wilderness. That's why it's called the wild the wilderness, no people are up there. So when you understand that this is poetic language, what are they saying? That this is potent, that there's there's many polyvalent, many different meanings behind what's being said here. Where's the wilderness? It's upstairs. It's literally the spiritual realms, which is exactly where <clears throat> they say he is. It was led up of the spirit, not the matter, into the wilderness, which is the canopy of the stars above, to be tempted of the devil. Who's the devil? Who's the devil? That's our friend Draco. We've met him many, many a times. Many a moon have we gone up to the top of the, of the high point of the heavens and, and dealt with this little snake, haven't we? Yes. So what's being what's happening right now is that the first verse of this of this chapter of this uh, of the you know four here is telling you exactly where to go, where to look, and even to where what constellations you're to assign these characters to in one verse. Led up of the spirit. We're in the spiritual realms right now. Into the wilderness, which is the canopy of the stars. <clears throat> Led up of the devil. What is the devil? Devil is known as a serpent. Okay. So here's that serpent wrapping around the pole star. Of course, this is the most high place. The celestial mountain. It's, it's, it's been given. Uh, we've talked about this as well. Cover it in the book. Did a whole live stream on it. How there's multiple references to the, the center of the earth. Sometimes it's a cosmic tree a world tree, sometimes it's a mountain, sometimes 666 Javier. You got to go. That's it. He's look at this. He's he's announcing it. So we figured out who the antichrist is. He apparently the antichrist lives in North Carolina. Who to thunk? Anyway, we talked about the fact that the center of the earth, celestial mountain, world tree, central tree. Sometimes there's a tree on the mountain in the center. Okay? The celestial mountain and tree we find in the center of our cosmic story in the firmament is deemed in Revelation to be the place where the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it. This is the place, <coughs> excuse me, he's letting, led up to the center of the place and up in the center is where the God and the Lamb is. The center throne is the place where God is seated, viewing the totality of his creation from on high. That serpent is wrapping around that center, keeping people from it. That's why he's up there. That's a tempter to come and be like, hey, come slay me. Gotcha. I, I gotcha, bitch. If we were to relate this station of God to a point in the heavens, 
The center throne is the place where God is seated, viewing the totality of his creation from on high. If we're to relate this station of God to a point in the heavens, our best and most obvious candidate would be the pole star of Polaris. Polaris is the still point in the north upon which the entire canopy of the stars rotates. God ordained all that. That's why they're metaphysical. We can't go up and change that. So all we're doing is recognizing God's ordination, God's design. That's it. That's it. From this position at the top of the dome of the heavens, poetically and metaphorically, one would be able to see, just as Draco showed Jesus, all the kingdoms of the world, as we're going to see. Beyond that old serpent, the devil is the north star. The place at the very top of the dome where the lamb and the gods sit on their throne. And in fact, it says the lamb shall be in it. Okay? And this is the place where Jesus ascended into heaven. So, so Draco is dragging him up to the very place where he ascends into heaven, trying to tempt him away from that center, and then telling Jesus, he's like, you can have all of this stuff down here. All this stuff that's impermanent and temporary and corrupted, you can have all of it. <laughs> what do you think Jesus' response was? It's like, no, I'm, I'm totally cool. So uh, let's keep going here. <clears throat> the devil. The devil throughout the Bible is associated with serpents. Duh. No, there's no question about this. We need to look no further than the phrase, that old serpent, the devil, and the serpent tempter. And he's a tempter. Pay attention. An old serpent, the devil. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, tempter in the Garden of Eden to make the case pretty clear. The first thing that brought us out of the paradise was a snake. Tempted us out. Atop of the Dome of Stars, we find a dragon wrapping himself around and ever guarding the center point in the heavens. Draco, the dragon, the serpent, becomes symbolic of man's ultimate spiritual challenge here on earth as we are always tempted away from leading a life of virtue, faith, repentance, charity, kindness, compassion, and love. The serpent always wants us to drag us away from that. We don't want to. We want to go right into the center. The center that has the, the faith, charity, and the virtue, and the love, the eternal life. Draco is the stellar reminder, the stellar reminder for man that whenever he is attempted away from his center, whenever he's tempted away, drawn away from his center, and the one straight path towards God Almighty, he must always remember to reply with all of his heart, get thee hence, Satan. Jesus is being the exemplar, the example here. <clears throat> The devil is the serpent keeping us from our centers, just as Draco is keeping us away from the pole star of Polaris, the center of the heavens. What do you suppose those six pieces of the armor of God are for? What do you suppose the six pieces of the armor of God are for that we hear of in Ephesians? But if not to be the warrior of Christ who's ready to slay the ultimate dragon, ready to slay the prince of, the the prince of lies, the king of lies, the father of all lies, you put on those pieces of the armor of God to go slay the dragon just as Christ did, as we're going to see. One does not put on the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, feet shod with the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and wields a sword of the spirit to go quietly into the night or go rest his days in fucking oblivion. No. You put on the six pieces of the armor of God so you can go slay a dragon. Put on the whole armor of God that he may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And who's the devil? That's the serpent. And where's the serpent? He's upstairs. And what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to go slay that dragon so you can get to the center. This is what Jesus is doing right now. He's setting the example. The example. He's being the exemplar so you can go throughout your life and be, get thee hence, Satan. God's armor of God is made for a man ready to take on the heroic quest, the spiritual undertaking of his life. Take up his cross and be ready to face any demon peddling sin and a life away from the wills of God. As a warrior of Christ, that's what you guys are, right? 
We're warriors of Christ. As a warrior of Christ, the eternal presence of God is always with you. Christ is always with you. So when you're drug up to that spirit, when you're drug up into the spirit of the where the devil is and stuff like that, just know that. Go forth knowing that the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, is on your side. Seek the center and go slay that damn dragon. There's your dragon. There's your Draco. God wrote your cosmic quest into our cosmology. This whole story, I think we're on verse 2 right now, is all upstairs. And we will detail the whole thing. Line by line, verse by verse, letter by letter as we do. Jesus is a, or, um, Jesus was tempted. The devil is a temptor. That's what he is, right? That's all the devil can do. People give the devil way, way too much power. The devil doesn't have any power. I mean, in the sense that the devil can have power to tempt you and that sort of thing. But the devil has no inherent power. The devil did not create anything. Nothing. God created everything. The devil literally is just a swindler, a tempter, a thief. That's it. He comes along, and while you're on your straight and narrow path, he's like, ooh, but what about some pornography? Ooh, what about some usury? What about this? What about that? That sort of thing. He's a tempter. Let's look at the word temp, like temp, and the, the, the root of the word, your, your first um, syllable, your prefix, right, of tempt, or um, that you'll find, in other words. Uh, tempt, tempter. Uh, tempo. What is a tempo? It's a rate. Is a tempus. It comes from the Latin tempus, I believe. I think I have that here. Tempus, rate, rhythm, that sort of thing. It's actually tempo means time. What, what, you know, like if I go to record something, it'll, there'll be a tempo. There'll be, and that's your rate. That's your time. So what is the devil doing? He's tempting you into time, into the realm of time, not eternal life, which is at the still point in the center of the heavens, which leads you to God almighty. That's eternal life. He's saying, stay in time. Jesus is saying, come with me to eternal life. The snake is saying, stay down here. Literally built into our cosmology. Look up. Tempt. Tempo. Temporary. What, what, what's the opposite of eternal? Temporary. Temporal. Is this a temporal existence down here? Yes, it is. Are you in a temple down here? The, the body that you're in, is that a temple? made by the, That houses a spirit? Made by God? Yes, it is. <clears throat> temperature we live in a temper like we live in the goldilocks zone right there's hot and cold down here good and evil down here right and wrong down here right that sort of thing extremes the temperature hot cold that sort of thing is there hot and cold in heaven no it's just god it even says it in revelation right that there's no day or night there's no hot sun and cold moon it's just the light of god all day long it's day all day long so what's down here god the devil wants to tempt you into time that is the tempo, it's a tempest, and it's a temporary place, and it's a temporal existence in which you are put into a temple. <laughs> all right? Temporize, the, all of these words, temporize means to go along essentially with um, the, 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 whatever, the, 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 the um, popular thing of the day, essentially. All of these words are related to what we're talking about here. So when he tempts you, this is what it means. They're using these words very specifically. They're actually telling you exactly the power that Satan has, which ain't much. Tempt of the devil, flesh, draw or entice to evil or sin, drawing you away, enticing you away from what? Eternal life, which exists in the center of our crea creation. Exists in, the, exists in the center of you as well. Temporal, which is what we're talking about. Worldly, secular, terrestrial, earthly, temporary, lasting only for a time. Temporal, earthly. Is that ex not exactly what we are talking about here? 
down to the word, down to the etymology, down to breaking it up of the syllables and the and the, the that's a, it's a, it's all right in line. This is why that old serpent, the devil, is not a creator god. No, nothing of the sort. He doesn't even have the power to create. What does he have the power to do? Tempt you away from God. That's it. What is our world filled with? All the ways to tempt you away from being honest, being righteous, being rational, being reasonable, being logical, being virtuous, having integrity, having dignity, standing up for what's good, true, and right, recognizing evil and calling it out, all of those things he wants to drag you away from. Now, what's so interesting about this is this is exactly, as we have been teaching, and I have been teaching for years now, specifically in this church since it's opened, um, written about for years, multiple books, this is exactly what the Trinity is. And this is why I think it's so crazy that people still today are debating the Trinity. The Trinity is well known, at least in its main representation, to be a representation of what? Time and your journey out of it, period. This is literally how the language is set up. Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, past, destroyer. Well, and we've talked about, whoa, he's the destroyer when you've seen the Holy Ghost. Yeah, destroys all your preconceived notions, destroys all the lies in the life, in your life, destroys all the things that you got wrong, all the stupid shit you thought, and all the times you sinned, and all the times you went down the wrong road. The Holy Ghost is there to help you purify that and destroy all of that. <clears throat> fucking nonsense so we got the holy ghost which is in the past the destroyer we've got jesus christ which is the preserver of our eternal lives he is in the present he is the second person of that trinity what's the father he's the future he's the creator we have the preserver the creator and the destroyer and what does jesus do he's the second person and through him through our lord and savior that's how we receive eternal life so what is he doing he's the preserver of our eternal life which means he's the second part of the trinity which means he lifts us out of what the confines of time three become what one there is no past there is no future there is no now it's just well, i should say there is no past there's no future there is just the now the eternal present of christ that's exactly what the trinity is exactly what the trinity is and exactly the role that satan is playing what's satan trying to do tempting you into the tempest of the temporal and the rate of time. And what is Jesus trying to do? Lift you out of time into eternal life. It's in the words. It's in the concept of the Trinity. It's written into our cosmology. And it's about time Christians start recognizing it. Let's move on. And we... Verse 2. We're 35 minutes in. Matthew 4, 2. Let's go. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. Okay, what does 40 days and 40 nights mean? I'm going to go over this fairly quick because it's actually straightforward. Whenever you are given a number in the Bible, immediately you'll look to like days or that sort of thing. And the, 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 the day or what it's actually saying is not important. The number becomes important. And let me give you a, a specific number, a, another example of what I mean here. Enoch lived to 365 years. Enoch in the Old Testy, seventh line from Adam, I believe, Enoch lived to 365 years. Now, we could just once again be the literalist and be like, well, he just lived to 365 years and I guess that's it. Or we can see that there's 
occultism going on here that there's crypt there's there's an encryption going on here what is 365 it's a solar reference thank you antonio andra thank you my brother um what is you know 365 days of the solar year so here you have enoch being called 365 live 365 years or whatever and you say well the year isn't important. What's important becomes the number. When we look at that number, what can we point to that number to actually be significant of? And this is one of the ways, encrypt. once again, encryption is done. I'm not going to go over this too much, but um, God is timeless, yes. So um, we see this 40 days and 40 nights in the Bible. It's used, of course, Noah, right? He was sailed for 40 days. And then you see the same sort of time frame with Jesus and fasting in the desert. Now, why is Jesus fasting for 40 days? He's, it's symbolism, I mean, you know, of, of, of getting rid of all of the earthly, like the, number one, the sacrifice that he's making, right? He's like, he's undergoing a sacrifice. He's not eating, but he's, he's, he's uh, emptying himself of all the material, temporary temporal things okay he's he's in, in other words he's surviving right now not on any nourishment from the external material world he's surviving on what pure spirit okay christianity similar it uses this 40 days and 40 nights what is the number 40 okay first off let's just look at the number 40 okay and then i'll explain this <clears throat> um Oh, see, there's the divisors of the number 40. So it gives you 40 days and 40 nights. Of course, a day and a night is part of one day. So really, you're just talking about 40 days. He, that's it, right? When you look at the first occulted number within 40, and this will, this will make sense in just a second. What you're doing is looking at the occulted number within 40. What does 40 relate to? Well, the sum of the divisors of 40 are 90, okay? Stay with me. 1, 2, 4, 5, 8, 10, 20, 40. Okay, great. Add those up. It's 90. This is just the properties of the number 40. When you look at the number 40, the first thing that should strike your mind is that pregnancy lasts about 200 day, 280 days or 40 weeks, okay? So in other words, the process of you being in your mother's womb is roughly about 39 weeks, 40 weeks. Of course, this is not exact every single time. No, it's not. In fact, it varies. In fact, the red ice, they just had their child a month early. Sometimes it's three weeks late, Right? So obviously what you'd have to do in order to find an average would be to look at all the people that have been pregnant, roughly get the time about how long they were pregnant, and average that number out. And do you know what you're going to get? Roughly, and you can look this up, it'll average out 270, 280, 39 weeks, 40 weeks, something like that. So the period of gestation is 40 weeks. Okay. Now, mind you, the period of gestation is 40 weeks. Now, the occulted number within 40 was 90. That's right here. That's just how it is. Those are the divisors. There's the count of the divisors. Those are the sum of the divisors. It's obviously not a prime. It's obviously an even number. It has qualities and characteristics. So what is this 40 referencing? It's a reference of birth. 270 is roughly three quarters of a year, right? So in other words, when you look at trimesters, about 90 days, 90 days, 90 days, roughly, approximately, give or take a margin of error, which is recognized in science, obviously. So you have two, so basically when you look at a full year, right? Let's say you're looking at the what, what is considered a biblical year, which is 360 days. 40, the occulted number within 40 is 90. What's 360 minus 90? It's 270, which is what? The occulted number within 40 is 90. When you relate that, just as 40 would be related to what? 
how many days you're pregnant, right? Now relate that 40 to 90. 360 minus 90 is what? It's 270. In other words, the number 40 in multiple ways, when you relate it to the solar year, is specifically talking about periods of gestation. Now, mind you, if you could argue this sort of stuff, but this is this information is stuff you'll find in Grey's Anatomy. You can go and just count the number of days your wife will be pregnant or whatever, and you'll find that that's true. So why is not, the point is this. The number 40 is specifically related to periods of birth, your gestation and birth. So when we see that the world is being... In the Old Testament, we got the we got the Argo Navis, right? We've got the Noah and his ark and the whole bit. And then they sailed for 40 days and 40 nights. And then guess what? Then the world was anew. Then they found dry land. He sent the raven and the dove out. And the dove came back. And the dove was like, totally cool. You can land now. They go to the dry land and it's a new world after 40 days and 40 nights. Okay, that's Old Testament shit. <clears throat> Take that Get rid of it. Now let's look at the New Testament. What's happening with Jesus? He's being drugged up to the point in the center of all the world at he, when he's at his most vulnerable and Satan's like, hey, you can have all this. And, and Jesus tells him to go fuck himself. And so, so um, I'm going broke here, dude. We're going to need more quarters, baby. So, <laughs> so, What's happening to Noah and the world? Complete regeneration and rebirth. Crossing the Rubicon, if you will. What's happening to Jesus? 40 days and 40 nights. The same sort of thing. He's being tempted to the devil and he's going to tell the devil to go screw himself. I just saved myself a quarter. Rebirth. That's what's going on. A rebirth of the world. A rebirth. Christ, in other words, is going through this process of catabasis, going into the underworld and coming up new. He's like Andy Dufresne. He crawled through a river of shit and came out smelling clean on the other side. That's what. That's what's going on right now. Hence, what the number forty is a reference to. It's a reference to birth. Now, we've already did entire lectures and live streams about how your spiritual rebirth process, being reborn through Christ, as a direct reference in relationship to what? Your physical birth. We've done an entire live stream. We've talked about this. Then, what's even more? That pattern of when the egg drops in the womb to actually map and track the process of birth, bringing a child onto the plane of existence, that pattern is also on your hands. That shit is upstairs in our canopy in this. God put it upstairs and he put it right here. So that's why 40. That's why 40 days and 40 nights. It's a representation of rebirth. Noah went through it and so is Christ. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones may be made bread. Matthew 4, 3. So the devil's coming up to him. He's like, oh, if you're God, make these stones into, you know, make the, command that these stones may be bread. Now, I'm assuming that this is a reference to what we just covered in the last chapter where Jesus comes along and he's talking to the, the people of Abraham and they, they're all hoity-toity and full of hubris thinking that they're just going to march into heaven because they're of the lineage of Abraham. And Jesus comes along and he's like, you guys are full of shit. You guys are full of shit. <laughs> you guys are you guys have your heads up your sphincters you're not get, you're not getting in 
No, no, no. The God I, the, you God, you're referring to. No, no, no. The God I'm talking about can take these stones and raise those stones, raise up the children unto Abraham. The God that is able of these stones to raise children up to Abraham. So, so Jesus was making a proclamation. He's like, God, I'm talking about can take these stones and raise them up to Abraham. And what does the devil come? Come, he comes and is like, oh, you say, all right, we'll make these stones into bread. That's what the devil says. And what do you think? What do you think Jesus says? We already know. He's like, are you nuts, dude? You're the father of all lies. Why would I listen to, why would I believe anything that comes out of your mouth? Even if you were honest, I couldn't even believe, thank you, Mark Brotherson. Been gone a few weeks. My wife is in the hospital with pregnancy complications at 24 weeks. Your thoughts and prayers are appreciated. Please, everyone, send some thoughts and prayers to my my brother's son, to Mr. Mark. God bless you. We wish you the best. All right. Many blessings to you. I hope everything goes okay. Um. So he commanded. So he's like, ah, oh, no. Well, you just said you could make these stones and raise them up to Abraham and stuff like that. And then, and then Jesus is just like, well, okay. So just so you know, you're the father of all lies, and I don't answer to you. I don't answer to you. So whatever, bro. And so what does he answer? What does he answer to the to the devil? Basically tells him to f off. Save myself a cord. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. The devil comes in and is like, You uh, make these stones into bread, Almighty One. And he's like, Well, but number one, I don't answer to you. Like, you're the father of lies, but I don't live by bread. Even if I even even though I'm hungry as hell, and I could I could make these stones into bread, I don't live by bread alone. But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. What is what does what is every word that is proceedeth out of the mouth of God? What is that? Let's let's let Sammy Hagar tell you. Sammy Hagar. Hello, baby. Did you hear what he just said? U.S. Prime, grade A stamped guaranteeing. Yeah, turn it on, you throw on the heat. You, that's the kind of truth that comes out of the mouth of God. Pure, unadulterated, 100% truth. Grade A stamp guaranteed is the best shit you can get on the market. That is the best chunk of meat you can buy. That's the, it's the, it's the top quality. That's what comes out of the mouth of God. 100% unadulterated, pure, pristine, the, the, the most distilled stuff you could possibly get. Truth. Jesus doesn't survive off any of the temporary stuff in the world. He lives off, his sustenance lives off what? Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God is, that's right, 100% pure, unadulterated truth. Grade A, prime stuff, all right? Sammy Hagar knows it. Why don't the Christians know it? That's, That's my question, you know? That's right. 
That's the kind of truth we're looking for at the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. U.S. Prime, grade A, stamped guaranteed truth. We're not into bullshit and lies. So, let's move on. Um, so that's what proceeds out of the mouth of God. Truth. Then the devil take him up to the holy city and setteth him on the pinnacle of the temple. Where are we once again? Where's the pinnacle of the temple? Where's the holy city? God's given us that cosmology right above us. The word of truth. That's right. That is right, my friend. Um, he set him up on the pinnacle of the temple to show him all the kingdoms of the world. Oh. <sighs> That's where he is right now. And not a Christian knows it. You guys know it now. You know where Jesus is. You know what's going on in the story. How many Christians, there? it is Sunday morning right now at 949. How many, how many churches out there right now are actually covering Matthew chapter 4? Right now. Like just, you know, I mean, of course we would have no idea, but I'm, I'm sure that there's a smattering, a smorgasbord of churches that are operating within the confines of just the United States alone right now that are covering chapter four and not a lick of anything that we're talking about right now do they know anything about. They want you to fight the devil and they don't even know where he is. They're probably telling you to still get jabbed. but I'm the fraud. So, setting up the pinnacle of the temple, that's the pole star. That's the city. Okay? And saith unto him, if thou be the son of God, this is the devil talking to Jesus again, cast thyself down for it is written, when it says it is written, it's basically saying that this was prophesied before and we'll cover that again. It is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee and in their hands they shall bear thee up. Least any time they dash thy foot against a stone. He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest any time they dash thy foot against the stone. When you look at your hands and your feet, what do you have? You have 10 down here and 10 up here, right? First off, before we get into that, what is this verse saying? He's basically saying, hey, if you, the devil's like, if, you ca if you're God, if you cast yourself down, the angels will come and minister upon you and lift you back up. And if you dash your foot against the stone, meaning if you stub your toe or you, you know, bust your knee up, it doesn't matter because the angels will swing up and lift you up and carry you to the north, right? That's what he's saying. Okay. And so notice all the angels, the hands, and the foot. And we'll get to that in just, just a second. I'll actually do this right now. What is the angels? We've already covered this when we did the, uh, the Kabbalah of the Christmas tree. This cherub, right? We go to the Old Testy. It says uh, cherubs are an order of angels. And so it literally says, you know, the flaming sword, the cherubs, the whole bit. We've covered that. I'm not going to go over that again. But um, So we actually see that when they talk about angels, that they're talking about specific angles, that there is, there is actually a number of angels that the Christian angelic hierarchy informs us about. This is not, this is literally just comes from the doctrine. So there's the seraphim, the cherubim, and thrones, dominions, virtues, powers, principalities, archangels, and angels. Well, we already discussed that when we talk about angels, we're talking about angels. That those angels, the Christians, the Christian angelic hierarchy tells us there's nine. That there's a hierarchy and an order of those angels. Gives you, numerically tells you about them calls them angels to so that you could make the basic poetic connection to recognize that these are recognized as angles. And so then let's go back. Now that we know this, okay, we know cherubs are angels. We know that angles are angels. 
right? We know how many that they give us. Zero is no thing. And then they give us nine angles. Now let's go back to our verse. And what does it say? And saith unto him, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, when you cast yourself down, that he shall give his angels, his zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, name, one, well, I could say one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, the angels, and zero being what? No thing. His angels, his angles, which are exactly what the Christian angelic hierarchy tells you, one through nine, charging concern, charge concerning thee and in their hands, what's in, what's in your hands? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And shall bear thee up, least any time they shall dash thy foot. What's in your feet? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Within one sentence, you know, punctuated with a, a, a colon there, he shall give his angels. They give you three different references to, to correlate this verse to the basic mathematics that God has placed right in front of you. And even given you the clues to say, to make those connections. Hands, feet, angels. Jesus said unto him, 4-7, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God, not tempt the eternal into time. Okay. Oh, by the way, it says here, uh, let me go back here. Uh, we'll get to the Lord thy God in a second. Again, the devil take him up to an exceeding high mountain and show him all the kingdoms of the world, comma, and the glory of them. Again, the devil, Matthew 4, 8. Again, the devil taketh him up to an exceeding high mountain, north, pole star, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world. If you were up on that mountain, on the pole star, and looked down, would you literally, physically be able to see all the kingdoms of the world? Yes, you would. That's why they're referencing that. Where is the mountain? The mountain is exactly what we've been saying. It's the pole star. It's exactly how all of these cultures literally around the world have, have uh, poeticized or symbolized the center of our earth. Once again, it's either a cosmic tree or a mountain, and sometimes there's a damn tree on the mountain. What's on the mountain? Are there bears on mountains like Ursa Major and Ursa Minor? What lives on the mountain? Who lives on the castle in the mountain? Is it a king and a queen? What else are on the mountain? Snakes? All these sorts of things. So across the world, this is recognized as a mountain, and they're telling you that's exactly where we are. They're literally just telling you it. Now, what does he say? To all these people that think that this that this is like a cursed place or that sort of thing, or that, you know, we were putting down we were put down here to be punished, or this is some sort of whatever it is, imprisonment or that sort of thing, right? Just so you know, this is not from the devil. This is God saying this, right? Or the, the narration anyway, I should say. Again, the devil taketh him up an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, comma, and the glory of them. This world is glorious. He's The devil's taking him up and actually showing him what is true. This is a glorious world. Otherwise, God wouldn't have made it in the first place. This is a good place, ultimately. Otherwise, God wouldn't have made it in the first place. They're even telling you, glorious down here. But you don't revel down here. You don't plant your feet down here and try to stick around down here. You recognize the glory. The, the glory comes from its temper, the temporary, the temporality. Is that how you say that? Of it. Okay. This is not to be disdained or looked down upon or forgotten or it's a you know some sort of like trap down here or whatever it is. No, this is glorious. But it has its role. It has a function. We have to understand what its teleology is, what its purpose, what its function is to recognize the glory. No, it's passing, it's fleeting, it's temporary, but there's something glorious about that. I think it's glorious that 
I'm not going to live forever down here and that I will only have the amount of time that I get with my wife. And that, that tells me that the Lord is telling me, well, you're only going to get this much time with Jennifer. You better fucking appreciate it. nine and saith unto him all these things will i give thee if thou will fall down fall down and worship me uh, you can have control and absolute dominion which he already has by the way he's god <laughs> absolute control and dominion over everything that's temporary here and all you have to do is worship me <laughs> and so what does he say right before that right he says thou shalt not tempt the lord thy god this is the only gematria I'm going to do just to point out that it's self-referential. So he, this is what Jesus says. We'll go right back here. Um, Jesus said, 4-7, Jesus said unto him, comma, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Okay, so just that phrase, comma, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God, equals 135. I'm just going to point this out. Jesus equals 27 is five letters. 27 times five is 135. There's a whole another thing that we could talk about with the number of letters and the multiplication of the gematria. I cover it in the book. I'm just gonna I'm just pointing this out here if you'd like to explore more. There's a lot more to cover and discuss here. I just want to be brief, so I just want to make that clear. So um, there's a whole as I if you have Lord Jesus Christ, you can look in the back um, and then see that. So uh, I just wanted to mention that for further exploration and study for all of you homeschoolers. So uh, one more thing, it says, wait, I'm going to make sure I'm not off the course here. Yes, yes, yes. Jesus said unto him, it is written again, thou shall not tempt the Lord thy God. We've actually talked about this, what the Lord thy God is. When you say thy God, it's basically saying your, it, thy is yours, your God, which means there's a, this, is, this is the monad. This is what's recognized even in Kabbalah, it's recognized in Hinduism as the Atman and the Brahman. This is what is recognized in the God in the Bible as Lord and God. Lord is the divine spark of God, the scintilla, the spark which is within you. God is the totality of the whole thing. Hence why you have the two different names of God that are introduced in Genesis. We actually covered this. Why does Genesis 1 all say God, 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 God created this and God said this and God did this and then God said it was good and then he repeats it, repeats it, repeats it. Then after human beings are created... After human beings are created and God rests, then chapter 2, the word Lord is introduced. Why? Well, we covered it. Because it's specifically referring to something that Christians know nothing about. Modern day Christians have completely lost the fact that not only is the concepts of Lord and God referring to something extremely specific about the divinity that's locked within you, but it's also a reference to geometry, to one of the most fundamental symbols you know, uh, uh, occult symbols that are known across the world, literally. Literally. You can find the monad all over. Well, why? Duh. It's because it's a compass. That's how you make, that's that's a symbol you make with the compass. So, you know, there's so much happening here. So much happening here. And it's just, for most people, it just, you know, it, it just goes completely lost. So, uh, so thou shalt not tell the Lord, thy God, the Lord, singular spark, your God. And that's who you have to answer to, which by the way, which isn't to say you have to answer yourself. No, you don't have to answer yourself. That thing within you that animates and alivens you, that gives you life, that gives you a soul is of God. It's his. You have to answer to that. You answer to yourself, you're answering to the devil. You answer to God within here, you're answering to the thing that's at the very top. 
Then Jesus said unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him shalt thou serve only. When you serve the Lord that's within here, that is not self-service. That is not, that is not self, that's not trying to empower yourself over another human being. No, it's actually literally the exact opposite of that. It's to recognize that every single human being has been given the spark of God within. And hence why as Christians, we are commanded to love our brother and love our enemy. Why? Because of that. Let's move on. Then the devil leaveth. Did I miss anything here? I'm sorry. I'm going to make, make sure I'm. <sighs> you guys are you guys are still fixated on my my lovely wife's artwork, aren't you? Here I am. I am throwing pearls at you right now, and you guys are still sitting there like, did you see Jennifer's watercolor? It's just fantastic. I mean, I just. <laughs> <laughs> That's so ridiculous. <laughs> Somebody's getting ripped off right now. Somebody's like, I don't even know if I'm comfortable with this anymore. I might just feel bad and just keep the painting and then just send Anjay like 200 bucks because now I just feel bad. Okay. That's hilarious. I honestly hope it gets to like $1,000. I would love to send Anjay a check for $1,000. My Lord, that would be hilarious. Anyway, okay, so the devil takes him up. The uh, the angels, once again, the angels came and ministered upon him. So what this is, uh, I'm sorry, did I make sure I missed anything? So I'm getting off track here. Um, get thee hence, Satan. Get out of here. I'm only serving God. Just be be gone with you. I don't want anything to do with you, okay? No, I don't need your jab. No, I don't need your usury. No, I don't need your this and that. No, I don't, blah, 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 blah. I don't need it. And then, so after he told the devil to get fucked, then the devil leaveth him, and, up, and behold, angels came and ministered upon him. The angels, the metaphysical, because that's what we understand literally math to be, metaphysical and supernatural. That's what it is. It's absolutely defined that way. Those things came, the metaphysical, spiritual objects came and ministered on him. And that's exactly what we find in Kabbalah, where he is. Where is he right now? He's at the center of all creation, the center pole. What's on that center pole? The tree of life. Ten emanations of God. That's exactly what it's showing in Genesis, and that's exactly what's going on here. Now when Jesus heard uh, heard John was in cast into prison, all of a sudden they heard that one of the Herod boys had been like, ah, St. John, i got to get him and cut his head off. He departed into Galilee. We'll cover Galilee in just a second here at the, at the end here. Spicy Sarah, Marty and Jen, we love you. We love you too, Spicy Sarah. Uh, we love you very much. And leaving Nazareth, we came in. Uh, so this is so this is um, the um, the prophecy. So this is before we do the prophecy. No, let's do yeah. Before we do the prophecy, let's do this. Um, let's before we get into that. Where are we uh, remind me we're on uh, four thirteen here. So we'll get back to that. Right now we're gonna do um, the collection plate time. It's collection plate time, you cheapskates. All right, we're we're sending the basket around. Get your get your checkbooks out. Get your pocketbooks out. All right, we're we're uh, we're doing so. I want to pass on um, so collection plate time. I want to pass on a little bit of financial knowledge that I actually got from a good Jew friend of mine. So uh, Mr. Dechor actually contacted me and he's like, "Hey man, you know he did one of these and he's like, I know how you can raise a little extra money." And so he actually gave me some insights, some some financial advice that I would like to pass on to all of you today. And that is to always be collecting. So um, 
Jennifer, are they all here? All but one. All right, let's talk about something important. Truth seeker, put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. All right, let me tell you something about, okay? I'm gonna tell you the ABCs about how to do this online thing. It's A, A, always. B, B, B. And then C is collecting. Always be collecting. That's what my friend that did her has, has taught me. Always be collecting. So let's, uh, let's watch our new commercial here, okay? Are they all here? All but one. Well, I'm going anyway. Let's talk about something important. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. A, B, C. A, always, B, B, C. Collecting. Always be collecting. Always be collecting. You want to go out on those sits tonight and close? Close, it's yours. Not, you're going to be shining my shoes. These are the new leads. These are the Glengarry leads. And to you, they're gold. And you don't get them. Why? Because to give them to you is just throwing them away. They're for closers. So we got the new leads here, okay? You want to be a closer? You want to be a closer? Well, then you always got to be collecting, all right? So let's get that collection plate going, all right? So if you want to be a closer, if you don't want to be shining in my shoes, in other words, you want to be a closer, why don't you uh, donate to uh, GnosticAcademy.org, and you can go to the Cash App, or you can go to Buy Me a Coffee, or you can go to GnosticAcademy.org, and, uh, and you can set up a monthly donation. You can do a one-time donation. You can buy a book. You can buy uh, the, new, the new leads. And if you're a closer, you can get the new leads. But if you're not a closer, let me shine in my shoes, all right? So, um, <laughs> so, uh, so thank you all for anybody that has donated, and thank you for being a closer, right? Just, just so you know, as you go forward, A, B, C, A, always, B, B, C, collecting, okay? Always be collecting. So thank you to uh, Mr. Dithert for that fantastic advice. Thank you so much. And make sure to get um, the Flat Earth, Sun, Moon, and Zodiac app because it'll change your life. Okay, cool. So let's go back to uh, what we're talking about here. So now we're in Matthew 4.13. And, um, <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, I forgot something. You know what? There was one more thing that I, that I didn't talk about. And if you want to be a closer... You got to have brass balls to be a closer, which means you got to put that donation in. Okay. Okay, cool. That's it. Anyway, sorry. Um, now it basically says, so this is what, another one. This is Matthew 4.13. It basically says, hey, look, what we're going to do is the Old Testament said a bunch of stuff. There was a prophecy. And then, so we're going to tell you what Jesus did. And then it's going to say, hey, guess what? Isaiah prophesied this. And then it's going to tell you what Isaiah prophesied to tell you that Jesus is fulfilling the prophecy of the Old Testament to reiterate once again that all of that stuff when they were waiting for their Messiah in the Old Testy, 
Jesus is fulfilling that. So that's what's going on. So in the last few chapters, we actually covered that again and again and again, where it would say a line and be like, and it was prophesied, as it is written, Isaiah said this, and then it came true. The same sort of thing is going on right now. So basically in the Old Testament, Isaiah came along and was like, yes, and the Messiah is going to get into a freaking red El Camino and drive 60 miles an hour north on the five, smoking Pall Malls and go to the Arby's and get a large uh, you know, curly fry. And so that's what it says in the Old Testament. And then it gets to the New Testament and it turns out, it's like, and Jesus got into a red El Camino and drove 60 miles north on the five and then stopped at the Arby's, smoking a Pall Mall cigarette and got some uh, curly fries at Arby's. And that's what it, so the prophecy is being fulfilled. And yes, Jesus smokes Pall Mall, unfiltered Pall Mall cigarettes like my dad used to smoke. That's how badass Jesus is. Ass is not, I don't have to put an accordion, right? Good. Jesus is so badass, he smokes non-filter Pall Mall cigarettes. What do you think? He's a Virginia Slim smoker? No. Jesus is sucking down Pall Malls, bitch. <laughs> so that's what's going on in 4.13 here. So in leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum. We'll get to that in just a second, which is on the seacoast in the borders of Zebulon and Nephilim. And I'll, Nephilim, I'll get to that in just a second. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, which is Isaiah, the prophet saying, the land of Zebulon, the land of Nephilim, by the way, the sea, the blah, 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 Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. All it's saying here is that, once again, they said a prophet, they said a prophecy. Jesus is coming to fulfill it. Done, son. That's what's happening. And I'll go into what all of those, those words mean. Zebulon, Nephilim, Capernaum in just, a, in just a second here. Well, I'll do it right now, actually. Capernaum. All of these terms are highly, insanely mystical terms. They're not meant in, in the literal story, sure, in the surface level story. They're meant to be like, yes, he went to Nazareth and he went to Capernaum and the Sea of Galilee, yes. But in the esoteric, in the anagogic sense, not, that's not, those are not places in a physical earth, in a, in a linear historical time. No, these are metaphysical terms. And we've actually covered, I think, most of these, but we'll cover them again. Capernaum. What is Capernaum? Once again, when you're given a word like this in the, Bible, in the context of the story, it's requiring you to go in and be like, what does that word mean? What is the mystical meaning of that word? That requires you to go into its etymology, its phonetics, its the, of course, the, um, you know, what, like, when you look at Hebrew, what does it mean in Hebrew? What does it mean in Greek? In order to actually get a full comprehension of what the word means. So we'll do that. Let's do that. Okay. So Capernaum. So Kappa, Kappa describes the formation of any sort of protective perimeter around any sort of vulnerable interior, like your skull. Your skull is literally... Kappa, that's where you put a cap on, a head covering, especially with the visor or brim, uh, visor, no, uh, uh, distinctive head covering, emblematic of a position of office. It's something you put, a cap is something you put over your head to protect your head. The word capper in, in Hebrew literally means, describes the formation of any sort of protective, protective perimeter around any sort of vulnerable interior. Naum, capper, naum. Now I'm cat links. You need some help with those quarters here. 40 more. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. So, um, thank you so much. The verb noun basically means to be sorry. You guys might as well just send your super chats to, to Veda Blair because at this point, that's, it's just, it's like, you know, we're just giving YouTube too much money now. The verb noun basically means to be sorry. So cap or noun, a, a place, a head, a covering, if you will, to protect something. And then it means to be sorry. Okay. Well, when you do repentance, what are you doing it? Well, of course you're doing it with your heart, but you're also thinking through when you, when you go to pray and be like, oh, what are you doing? You're thinking through the things that you've done wrong. You screwed up. You said the wrong thing. You were being a total fucking jackass. Um, and then you were like, oh, I think about those things. And then I want to, you know, fix that. Okay. 
So that's what that's literally what the word means. Capper, a protective covering. What you you put a cap on your head. God be with you all. Thank you, Javier, brother. Landeros, is that how you say that? Thank you so much for the fifteen. Put that cap on your head to protect. It's a village of consolation protected by being sorry. From Kapper Nam, village or covering cap Nam to be sorry. So this is what is, once again, mystical language to help you understand where you are. The Kapper Nam is on the Zodiac, man, is there in the head. We already covered this, by the way, when we did um, Mark. We talked about the, the man that was, that was uh, ill and they went on top of the roof and lowered this this man through the roof down so that Jesus could heal him. So instead of just bringing him through the door, these guys went on top of the roof of a, like a disabled man or like a man that was whatever. He had some health ailments, exactly what it was. I forget what it was. But anyway, he had palsy or something, right? So they lifted this guy on top of the roof, lowered the guy down from the roof so that Jesus could heal him inside. And this all happened where? Capernaum. And what is Jesus? The Lamb. And where is all of this happening? Capernaum. Capper describes the formation of any protective perimeter. What is a cap? It's a cap that you put on your head. Bloop, 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 bloop. What is Nam? It means a place to be sorry. Where are you doing your repentance? Right there. Right here. In your Aries, in your Lamb, in your Ram. Just as the Zodiac man tells us. So that's where Capernaum is. Where is Zebulon? Let's keep going here. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in the Capernaum, which is on the sea coast, in the borders of Zebulon. Where's Zebulon? All of this is mystical language to help you specifically pinpoint where all of this stuff is going on. Up there and right here. Up there and right here. What is Zebulon? Zebulon is what? What does Zebulon mean? It means dwelling, habitation, home. Where is your dwelling and your habitation in your home? Where do you always sleep? In your body. That's where you are, always. Like you could be in Portland, Oregon, or you could be in Portland, Maine, and guess where you will still be? In your habitation, in your home. You'll be in Zebulon. So they're in Capernaum right now, and they're in Zebulon. Nephilim, it's hard to find a, a root of this word, so it's, it's, it's a little bit dodgy, I will say this, but, you know, this is, um, the it's Nephilim is, you know, because I don't think there's Nephilim, Nephilim or whatever it is. Um, Nephilim, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm saying that incorrectly. Nephilim, I think is how you say that. Basically means my wrestling or my craftiness, but it has a reference to the fall, the fallen ones, the f- falling, right? Nepal, to fall. Well, what are we? What, what position are we in right now according to scripture? The fallen, right? Does that mean that we've fallen into a world that's completely cursed? Well, no, didn't they just say the glory of all of them? That wasn't coming from the mouth of the devil. That was coming from the narration of God in Scripture. No, this place is glorious. So the fallen one. So basically every every word that's being used here is a reference, is a subtle mystical reference to what's happening within you. Where's Capernaum? You. Where's Zebulon? You. Where's the fallen ones that have fallen from heaven? You. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah. Land of Zebul, the same th- sort of thing. And we'll get into Jordan and Galilee in, in a bit at the end, okay? So, all the people which sat in darkness saw great light. And to them which sat in the region in the shadow of death, light is sprung up. Matthew 4.16. What exactly is being referenced in Matthew here? Let's read it again. The people which sat in darkness saw great light. 
semicolon. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. What's happening, Mr. Arcade? What's happening, my brother? <clears throat> what is being said there? That's catabasis. That's exactly what every spiritual, every person that's on a spiritual conquest, a hero's journey, must undergo. Right? In fact, I, I remember talking to uh, Balderson about this because Balderson was like, all these, you know, like the New Age people, these all about the light and the light and stuff like that. It's like, no, no, it's actually about the dark. It's actually about having the merit. It's actually all about you putting on your six pieces of the armor of God like a fucking warrior and going to face Draco. You, your task is to go into the darkness and only by taking up the sword of the spirit and undergoing that quest will you find the light. That's exactly what they're saying in, in Matthew 4.16. Do you know why they're saying that? Because that's just what Jesus underwent. What's up, Karen B? Love Karen B. That's what Jesus just underwent. The father of all lies tried to take him and, and lie to him and say, I'm going to give you all this other stuff, which what would what, what he actually have done? Probably put him in a prison of eternal hell, right? If Jesus would have said yes. Of course, we know what Jesus said. He's like, you know, go. So that's exactly what Jesus underwent. And then all after those three temptations, then the devil gets gone. The angels came and they administered on him. They're like, yes, dude, nice work. Same sort of thing they're telling you. Who are the ones that saw the light? Who are the ones that went past, that got past and out of the darkness and the shadow of death? The people that went and actually into that darkness. They are the ones that saw the light. And that's why we said, we did a whole live stream talking about uh, my friend Jason, Dr. Jason uh, contacted me and he asked specifically about this. And I did a whole live stream about this, about how, no, it's absolutely necessary for you to go into the world of darkness, understand it, conquer it, face it, and not be scared of it. Not to roll around in it. You're not there to roll around in the de the workings of the devil, but to ignore it and to say it doesn't exist or just be like, well, I'm just on a course of God and I'm not even going to worry about that. That's not what happened to Jesus. The father of all lies drug him into that darkness and he conquered. And he set the example the example, and, and, and is the exemplar for you. So when the devil comes to you with all these offers, do you want a little jibbity jab? Ooh, you can get a booster too. What do you do? Get the hand, Satan. Go. Fuck yourself. What are you to do? Great, great story. I mean, what a freaking chapter this is. <laughs> It's just fantastic. Okay, where are we at? I'm lost now. Jennifer, I'm lost. Where am I? Uh, okay, boom. Now we can move on. So um, so uh, from that time, Jesus began to preach to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What is repentance ultimately, right? Recognition of sins, recognition of the errors of the ways, the, anything, that, you, that sort of thing. That ultimately is a representation of your cleansing, your purification process, right? You have to purify yourself. Which means you have to openly admit when you've done wrong. If if you've been a jackass, just come clean. And guess what? The only person you're ever going to have to answer to is God. You don't have to answer the devil. You don't have to answer to Minister Marty Leeds. Stella, you don't even have to answer to Ben. You have to answer to God. So, repent. Clean yourself. For the kingdom of heaven is where? 
Just as we always say, it's at hand. Okay? It's right now. So beyond at hand means nearby, readily accessible when needed, close in time, about to happen, right? That sort of thing. Heaven is now. That's what it's referencing because that's exactly what we're dealing with. The serpent that's trying to tempt you into the temporal, into the temporary, to try to keep you into the material realm. They're up into the wilderness, up on the mountain, led into the spiritual realms of the spirit. And the devil's saying, I want to keep you in time. And Jesus is saying, I want to get you out of time. The devil's saying, stay down here. And we're all the pain and the suffering and the torment and the torture, profanity, nausea, suffering, aversion, and calamity. You can't get away. You guys know Faith No More, the real thing? Great record. Anyway, so the devil is there to try to keep you in time. And Jesus is trying to get you out of time because that's what eternal life is. Eternality. So, then they, Jesus comes and says, guess what, guys? Heaven is exactly where the rest of the Bible says it is, at hand. The kingdom of heaven is within you. It's happening right now. You have to recognize it here. You have to recognize the heaven that exists and the God that exists within you here and honor and obey that God here. Then you get your reward when you die. But you have to recognize it here. You have to do your work here. And guess what Jesus just did? His work. He was drug up to the top of that mountain. And what did he do? Get thee hence, Satan. Get thee hence. I know where eternal life is. Right now, I'm living it. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. At hand. Now, let's forget about all the metaphysics and all that nonsense that I always talk about in Gematria. Let's just forget about all that. And then let's do what children learn to do in some places still. Multiplication tables on your hands. Do any do any of the kids that all these people are sending their you know kids to public school and stuff like that, or even private school, are they learning any of this? Because this is one of the subtle references that they're telling you. All the mathematics that forget about gematria, forget about your stupid sacred geometry, Marty. Forget about all of that. Who cares about all of that for the sake of this discussion? This is all things that are right on your hands. A multiplication table. A way to map and track the sun literally by minutes. How about this one? This has nothing to do with my opinion or gematria or sacred geometry at all. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The, 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 the mathematical constant of phi is on your hand. That's a design signature of God because you can find that in inanimate objects, animate objects, eddies of rivers and beehives and be, you know animals and all sorts of different things. And you can find it on your hand because it's a mathematical signature of God. And this is all of the things that are being referenced in two words, two words, at hand <clears throat> and not a christian knows it not one i'm i'm about to be 44 years old and i've gone my entire life and i have not heard this out of the mouth of one single christian but they all want people like you and i to go sign up to their bullshit no thanks we have a better way and jesus walking by the sea of galilee 
we'll cover that. Promise we'll cover that in just a second. That'll be at the end. So, uh, oh, by the way, um, the hands, by all the way, all the things that we can do with the hands that we've covered before. I'm just going to mention this right now. Of course, you can fit Genesis 1-1 in both Hebrew and English on your hands. Okay, these are all the things, um, you know, the, the triangulation of the number seven on your hands. Of course, all of the other traditions like alchemy, things like that, that have mentioned the hands. We could look at the hamsa. We talk about that. Why is there two thumbs and three fingers? And What's going on there? We could talk about that. All of these things that are referencing the hands. Why? Because the hand is the alchemical hand of the mysteries. It's literally this template in which allows you to understand the design of God. And that that's not hyperbolic. That's not, I didn't I didn't say that to be exaggerating at all. At all. So at hand. So that's what it's referencing. Okay, so let's keep going. So the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So it's not just like Jesus showed up. Oh, he's here now. That's not what it that's not what it means. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon and Peter. So, excuse me, Simon called Peter, apologize, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. Now, this, just as the first verse and all those other verses were telling you, giving you all the tools to explicitly tell you where, um, where you know you are in the story, that sort of thing. They're doing the same thing with the characters here. They're literally giving you all the clues to tell you exactly which constellations in the zodiac to reference these characters to. They're telling you right here. And Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, two brethren called his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishers. And he said unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Okay. So first off, let's look at Andrew and Simon. We already, we and we've discussed this once again, because this is a long live stream, I'm just going to refer to this. And if you have any questions, you can go and double check all the live streams. We've talked about it in the books. I think I did a whole um, chapter on the new one about um, something like this. Anyway, Simon Peter is recognized as Aries, okay? In the Zodiac Man, when you have the 12 disciples and place them on the body according to their constellations, right? We already know four of them being the Tetramorph, Scorpio, Aquarius, Leo, and Taurus. We've talked about John and James being Scorpio and Sagittarius, of course, blah, 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 blah. We went over all of that. Simon Peter, Peter is the rock, right? He's the stone, right? He's referenced as the stone. Um, he's also the Simon, the mon we, once again, we've covered all that. I don't want to go into that again because it's just too much. It'd take 10 minutes, but so his brother though, was right next to him, which is Pisces. And they're the two fish. So they're the 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 story, the 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 excuse me, losing my train of thought here. The verses are actually telling you specifically what characters to relate these to. So Andrew, who's brothers with Simon Peter, Simon Peter we know is Aries, the top, the, the lamb, right? Then his brother, which is literally right next to him, this is also what it says in scripture. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, there is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. What, what are they among so many? So, so he's talking to, you know, the brothers are talking to one another and they're fishers and they're fishers of men and then they're talking specifically about fish and then they specifically talk about two fish. Now, once again, if you have a poetic and mystical mindset, you'd be like, oh, okay, the, the, the Bible's clearly giving us all the clues that we need to connect. Where are two fish in your sky, in the wilderness, in the spirit where we're at? Pisces. 
Pisces. So Andrew, and this is, you'll even see illustrations of Andrew holding two fish. Why? Because they're trying to make these connections to you. They're literally telling you where the story is happening. And now they're giving you characters in which to assign to different constellations. So casting the net into the sea, for they were fishers. And it says it again, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed them followed him and going uh, on from thence he saw other two uh, brethren james the son of zebedee and john his brother in a ship with zebedee their father james and john who are they scorpio and sagittarius we've done a whole we've got whole lectures on it it's in the documentary did a whole chapter on that you could verify everything that's being said so you've got john and james being representations of scorpio and sagittarius and they along with these guys went into a boat and went fishing well what's the boat once again it, once you once you clarify what these symbols mean in the story, meaning like we're going to make the proper correlations to the stars. Where's a boat? Where's the boat? Um, let's talk about this. Simon's ship that the disciples... So there's two stories of the miraculous draw of fishes is essentially what's, what's happening here. Um, hold on. Let me go back and make sure I'm reading all this. So... Um, he said, hey, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And they left straightway their nets and followed him. And um, immediately they went to their ship. Um, so I'm sorry, I'm getting lost here. Uh, let's go back here. Okay, so Simon's ship <clears throat> that the disciples entered to fish on that miraculous day is a ship in the heavens that we've already explored on this channel and that sort of thing. Uh, the Old Testament legend of Noah and his enormous ark. Uh, once again, 40 days, 40 nights kind of thing. If we are seeking out a ship in the firmament, then we have only one choice, and that is Argonavis. There's literally only one ship upstairs. That's Argonavis. With the celestial template being our guide once again, this allows us to pinpoint where we are in the sky in the story. Once we have the celestial template, we take this and we lay it over the Bible, and we realize that we have a template for every single story that's going on, just as we covered when Jesus is taken up to a certain place, the mountain, and to the devil, there's specific constellations and specific places in the sky they're referencing. No different here, okay? By focusing on the ark, the sea vessel made of stars, we may thus uncover the rest of the basic symbols, symbolic elements apparent in the story. Jesus told Simon to take his ship and launch out into the deep. This is another chapter, but it's referencing roughly the same sort of stuff. With this deep, um, with this deep being the river of the Milky Way. It's literally symbolized as a river. The very river Argo Navis is sailing on, and I'll show you that in just a second. Right next to the ship are several constellations that are symbolized as fish, with those being Volans and Dorado. The constellation Volans means flying fish, and Dorado means dolphin fish, with both of these star groupings situated right next to each other. And I'll show you that in just a second. Right, uh, right below these celestial fishes exists the constellation Reticulum, which is symbolized as a net. So as we see in this section of the sky, I'll show you that in just a second. We have a large sea vessel being the ship of Argo Navis. And between the net, reticulum, we have several fishes. All the basic elements of this miraculous catch of fish or you know, any, essentially any story that references that sort of thing, you have present in the stars. So the greatest whopper of a fishing tale ever uttered is being retold in the heavens every single night. And what is the message that we may extract from this great tale? Like, for instance, when, we, when, when you hear Jesus and he's like, go out into the ship and cast your nets and then get all of this fish before you, could, you, you, you didn't come up with shit. Now, 
under my commandment, you're going to go out into that ship and you're going to cast your nets and you're going to get a whole boatload of fish. And that's what happens in the story. So what's the tale? What's the symbolic tale that we can extract from this? The greatest whopper of a fishing story ever, ever uttered is being retold in the heavens every single night. And what is the message that we may extract from this great tale? It's but a simple one. Only through the Lord Jesus may we find abundance. Without him, we have nothing. With Christ, our nets will never come up empty. There's your ship. It's Argo Navis. It's combined with Pupis, Carina, and Vela. It's an enormous ship. It's literally considered the biggest constellation when those three are put together. I think bigger than uh, Hydra. Just you know, just below it right there, you see what Volans, which is a fish, and then Dorado, which is a dolphin fish, and then right below that, what's that? Reticulum, which is a net. Jesus said, go out into the ship. Cast your nets, and you, you're going to catch a bunch of fish. Now, in another aspect of the story, you know, because there's a different miraculous draw of fishes and different times where it goes into boats and stuff like that, right? So I don't want to say that. But in one of the other references of the story, it specifically says, it specifically says that they caught 153 fish. That number is a direct reference to the Vesca Pisces. If you have done 101 in sacred geometry. It's literally one of the first things that you will learn in sacred geometry is not only how to draw the Vesca Pisces, but how to extract the main insignia for Christianity from it. That's one of the main, the Jesus fish, obviously, save for the cross, I guess, right, is one of the most universal symbols of Christianity ever. This story is actually referencing that symbol by being calling them fishers of men. Do you know what he's being, when he's grabbing these disciples and taking, being fishers of men and telling them to be fishers of men, what are they, what are they, when they cast their nets out, right? What are they actually doing? They're grabbing people to try to drag them into the mystery school tradition, the mystery tradition, the same tradition that Jesus is teaching. He's saying, go be fishers of men and cast your nets and grab those people. And why is the symbolism of fish used? Why is the number 153 used? Because it's a specific reference to some, to, the, to a, the main symbol of Christianity that if you had done 101 in sacred geometry, you would know that. Now, unfortunately, the main symbol of Christianity is the Jesus fish. And if you asked most Christians, where does that symbol actually come from? They would have no fucking clue. That's a problem. That's a problem. Because it shows that you have no clue about your tradition whatsoever. I'm an educator. I'm a teacher and a preacher. I'm here not to hold this over somebody's head or call you a bunch of dumbwits and idiots because you don't know this. I'm here to help you understand it. I'm here to educate you because when I... Because I went through life and I didn't know this stuff either. Then I figured it out and the milkman is up to 327. <laughs> Go! Yes! Jennifer, dude, I'm shutting this church down. Dude, I'm going to shut this church down tonight. You know what I'm doing? I'm going to the beach. 
I'm gonna crack some frick. I'm gonna make some martinis at two in the afternoon. I'm gonna be like, later, bitches. My wife's a painter. I'm rich. Rich. <laughs> oh, it's so much fun. So anyway, so I'm here to educate. I'm here because I learned this stuff and I was like, whoa, unbelievably fascinating. It's really unfortunate there's a lot of Christians that don't even understand the basic geometry of where their main insignia comes from. I would like to help educate the world on that. This is numerous paintings, illustrations, wood carvings, stonework in which what? Our Lord and Savior is plopped right in the middle of what? A vescopisis or a derivation or variation of. Why? 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 The question is why? There's answers to those questions. That's what's so beautiful. There's answers to those questions. And this church is providing those answers. And what's happening to this church online? We're being laughed off. Correct? Go do some perusal and, and see what anybody thinks of those stupid Gnostics. And meanwhile, all I'm saying is, wait a second, that's fundamental geometry. That's, that has, I don't care what anybody's opinion is. The Vesca Pisces can be drawn by literally anybody that has a compass. The, the fundamental mathematics within that Vesca Pisces can be extracted by anybody that could do some basic math. And which church, what church out there is telling you anything about this? This one. Because we're honest. 423 and Jesus went about Galilee teaching in their synagogues. <laughs> Dude, this this okay, let me just finish this and then I'll go back and do some <laughs> examining of this a little narration here. And Jesus went about Galilee, comma, teaching in their synagogues, comma, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, comma, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Holy shit, let's just stop and take a second and and see what teaching in their... What is being said here? What is going on with Jesus? Think about what Jesus is doing right now. Jesus, as an ex-Old Testy person, if you will, right? He, as we, as we established, comes from their lineage, 42 generations, is of their line, blah, 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 right? The, all of the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, they can't, and all the chief priests and all that, they can't stand Jesus. They hate this mofo. I'm going broke here. They hate this Jesus guy, right? What did Jesus do? He went into their synagogues and taught everything that they didn't want him to teach. Think about that. Imagine if there was a Jew today that was like, you know, he was doing, the, he was like on the wailing wall and he was doing all this and he had the kippah and he was like doing this and he was like, you know, biting, you know, oral circumcision, doing that whole thing, right? And all of a sudden in the middle of like, he's 44 years old or whatever, and in the middle of doing all this and then doing the oral circumcision, doing all that sort of stuff, he immediately is like, wait a second, wait a second. Holy shit. I, I I think Jesus is the savior. Then that Jew decides to leave Judaism and then go teach Christianity in all of the synagogues. And that happened today. How do you think he'd be dealt with? 
Think about it. Think about how badass Jesus is right now. Jesus is going into places in the synagogue and he was teaching on the day that they're supposed to be resting, mind you. Right? When when they're supposed to be resting and they're supposed to have all their Shabbos goy doing all the work for them, Jesus is like, nah, we're going to heal some people, I'm going to teach people, and we're going to go pick some corn. He literally does that. The most badass move you could possibly imagine Jesus to do. He goes into the pit of flames. He goes into the den of vipers themselves, into their synagogue, and teaches the exact shit that they don't want him to teach. That's called a mo. That's called a badass. That's what it is. That's what he is. Do you know what Jesus is doing right now? He's playing the role of a trickster. Jesus is playing the role of a trickster. You know what a trickster is? I just released a video. This was something I did a while back, but I talked about how the lead singer of many bands, um, Tomahawk and Faith No More and a bunch of bands like that, Fantomas, uh, lead singer Mike Patton is a musical representation of a trickster is really what he is. And I'd highly recommend watching that video. It's pretty pretty damn good. But what is a trickster? Now, a trickster has many different characteristics. There's all different sorts of tricksters. So there's not like one specific archetype in which all you know, tricksters fit into. That's not really how it works. But the trickster does play a very, very specific role. So you won't have always the same characteristics of a trickster or that sort of thing, but ultimately the trickster will play the same role. What is the trickster? He's a boundary crosser. The trickster often crosses and often breaks both physical and societal rules. They violate principles of social and natural order, playfully disrupting normal life and then reestablishing it on a new basis. This is what a trickster does. The trickster essentially what he does is he comes in and if there's an order, he disrupts that order and says, nah, you guys are full of shit. And I am going to come in, point that out, and then reestablish a new order. And that's what the trickster does. Now, sometimes the trickster does this with immorality and sexual promiscuity. And, you know, it can be considered, you know, all there's, once again, different aspects of the trickster. We're not saying that Jesus embodies every aspect of the trickster. Doesn't. Doesn't at all. But does play that role and plays it brilliantly, brilliantly, because he goes in and does the exact thing that he's not supposed to do. He broke all the taboos, and in doing so, set what? Set a new standard, which is the New Testament. He's doing exactly what a trickster does. A trickster can be both cunning or foolish or both. The trickster openly questions, disrupts, or mocks authority. This is exactly what Jesus did. Many cultures have tales of trickster, a crafty being who uses tricks to get food, steal precious possessions, or simply cause mischief. Hermes is kind of considered a trickster. Once again, doesn't always embody every aspect of the trickster, but ultimately the same result comes from it. The concept of the trickster as a type is based upon the most essential trait, his trickiness. Sometimes they're thieving, voracious, cunning, amoral, sexually hyperactive. Not always. Once again, we're not claiming that any of these things are specifically related to Christ. They're not. They're not. But ultimately, what does what do they do? They, the trickster, this is what um, Jung says, a curious combination of a typical trickster motif is his fondness for sly jokes and malicious pranks, his powers as a shapeshifter, uh, half animal, half divine, his exposure to all kinds of tortures. But ultimately, after all of this stuff, there's an approximation of this figure to a savior. Because ultimately, what does this figure do? No matter how he's mythologized or that sort of thing throughout history, he comes in, there's a false order, the trickster's like, like this, and then everybody's like, and then there's a new order that's established because he totally calls out the old, the order that really wasn't an order, chaos, essentially, which is essentially what was happening in the story of Jesus, right? 
Lots of tricksters. Sometimes you'll have the coyote as a trickster. Sometimes it'll be a raven. Sometimes it'll come down and steal light. There's all sorts of different, in tons of different um, cultures, right? But ultimately, what does the trickster do? Comes in, sets a new standard, calls out the nonsense, and and a new a new standard is, is established. This is, you know, some of my favorite tricksters, right? James Joyce. You guys know James Joyce, my favorite author. James Joyce is a literary trickster. James Joyce is, if you guys know Finnegan's Wake, I started, you guys know Ulysses, right? Um, James Joyce is the kind of guy that basically the entire, you know, literary, classic literary world was just going along, doing what it was doing. And next thing you know, James Joyce shows up with Finnegan's Wake and Ulysses and everybody's like, what the frick is this? It basically upturned all of literature, how you read books, what books are supposed to do, what literature is, what stories are, linear unfolding of story. James Joyce took all of that and he was like, and in doing so established a new order. James Joyce is an absolute trickster. There's lots of tricksters in our world today. Now, the thing about a trickster is a lot of times you won't like that trickster. The trickster is, I'm saying this because I, if you guys haven't figured this out, one of the reasons I'm saying this is that I play the role of trick of a trickster in many ways. Uh, what I'm doing is coming in, pissing a lot of people off, right? And then establishing a new order because your old order is dog shit. There's lots of tricksters in our world today. And a lot of times you won't like them and they don't care. <laughs> That's the thing. You know, a trickster is there sometimes specifically to be like, oh, that offends me. Good. Good. Because guess what? Maybe that slot, maybe that sacred cow needed to be slaughtered. Okay. Raging Dissident. I don't know if you guys know this. Raging Dissident just got, you know, a uh, uh, veteran, Canadian veteran. Funny as hell. Balls the size of Texas. You know, just a great, great dude, great heart, that sort of thing. He's a trickster. You know how many people hate Raging Dissident Jeremy McKenzie? He just got his, um, sorry, finish a sentence here. He just got debanked from Scotia, Scotia Bank or something like that in Canada. It's like trending on Twitter or something, I guess, right now. But, you know, basically a podcaster that basically does what? What is he doing? What is Raging Dissident doing right now? Playing the role of a trickster and doing it really, really well. He probably doesn't even know it. Raging Dissident is more Christ-like than 90%, 98% freaking percent of the Christians that go and occupy churches in Canada. Ra Let me say this again so it's crystalline clear. Quote me, Raging Dissident, I don't even know if he believes in God. Raging Dissident is more of a Christian than 98, 98%, 99% of the Christians that actually go and participate in churches up in Canada. He's following more in line with Christ than most of those Christians. Owen Benjamin, there's another trickster. He's doing exactly what a trickster does. You might not like it. Some people hate him for it. I get annoyed with him sometimes for it. We've had our own, you know, it's just it's just what happens when Keebler elves and giants get together. It's a racial thing. They just don't, you know, they get really, the, the giants get really upset that we make great fucking cookies. <clears throat> and then the Keebler elves get upset because they're giants. But he's he's playing the role of a trickster. Like it or not, doesn't matter. And he doesn't care either. What about Sam Hyde? Once again, to, to relate Sam Hyde to Raging Dissident or Owen Benjamin, some people might get offended at that. I'm not, I, I wouldn't be offended at that because I know those guys aren't the same, but what are they ultimately doing? No matter how they get to it, they're exposing the nonsense and setting up a new order. 
What about uh, Handsome Truth? There's tons of people that hate that guy. You guys know Handsome Truth, HT? He runs Goyam TV. He's literally a shapeshifter. He does these Omegly things online where he, he'll play the role of a black guy and a gay, or actually, no, it's not a black guy, it's a monkey. So I, I'm sorry, that sounded really bad. Anyway, uh, so he plays the role like a monkey and then he plays like a gay guy and then all these, uh, he plays a role. He's like shapeshifter and he's doing so for, why is he doing it? To uproot the order, the false order. How about, here's another trickster in our world, James Freeman. You guys know James Freeman? I don't, I, I, I'm, as far as I know, James Freeman, he would probably laugh off Flat Earth and laugh off this channel. He would probably never give me the time of day, think I'm a complete retard. As far as I know, James Freeman, I don't quote me, but I believe he's atheist or agnostic. I don't even think he believes in God. That said, his actions, his morality, his gigantic balls says everything about his true character and how truly Christly he's being. He's living it. Those Christians up in Canada that are, that are going to church this morning, they're not living it. They're talking it. They're talking it. He's walking it. He walks the walk and talks the talk. He says, that's nonsense. I'm going to call it out and I'll go right up to the authority figures that are telling me that I have to follow this and I'll call them out. What do you think? Who would I take up to fight the devil? Would I take Andrew Torba at Gab? Or would I take James Freeman? James Freeman every single day. I would be behind James Freeman as if he's an atheist, I think he is. I would be behind him any second of the day over literally half the people on Gab. If that offends people, I don't give a shit. God, I hope that sells well because we, we're running low on cash here. So, okay. So, what's that? $370. That is so... <laughs> yeah definitely uh what do you say here james duary uh definitely owen doesn't understand you gets irritated with you and about you but makes it a point to call you stand-up guy that's cool i appreciate him for that you know media bear what's up media bear who doesn't love media bear god bless it um that's cool i wouldn't expect us to get along anyway we're tricksters we are so you know, we we have our roles to play. And I think we're doing a pretty good job of it. I don't want to tap myself in the back. We are living in the craziest timeline, though. I was on James Freeman's channel putting this whole together. And I found out the first comment was from Tay Zande. You guys remember Tay Zande? Chocolate rain. Ding, 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 chocolate rain. That kind of thing. Tay Zande was the top comment on James Freeman's channel. That is a weird timeline, man. Tezande, if you guys know Tezande. Okay, what are these guys doing? They're reclaiming and resacralizing. Now, they might be doing a sloppy job at it sometimes or whatever. That's fine. They're, 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 guess what? It doesn't matter at all. I've done a sloppy job at this too, right? Sometimes. What do, What is the trickster there to do? To come in as the goof nugget, as the as the you know clown sometimes, whatever role they have to play in order to make you go, oh, I'm living in my normal world and here I am just going about and this guy comes out and goes, whoop, back! And you're like, hey, why'd you do that? And then now you get upset and then then they'll crack a joke and then you'll laugh and the next thing you know, you're reoriented and be like, whoa, I guess, I guess the government is corrupt. I guess I should have been listening to that trickster raging dissident long ago. They're there to reclaim and resacralize. That's what Jesus is doing. That's what Jesus is doing. 
And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, being a trickster, straight up, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Look at the, this is why I pointed out the, the commas here. Look at how much is being said between these commas. Teaching in their synagogues. Whoa, you badass. You badass. You went right into the belly of the beast. You went into the den of vipers and be like, let's talk about God. And like, no, we're, you know, our father's of the devil. Right? Badass. And preaching the gospel of the kingdom. What is the gospel of the kingdom? Words matter. Words matter. Words matter. The kingdom is literally the king's dome. The God's dome. Who's the king? Christ. Where is he? Who's he connected to? I and my father are one. We get that whole thing, right? So, so where, who, is, who is the king of the dome? God. So it's the kingdom. The king's God's dome. And the gospel, which gospel literally translates to in the etymology God's story. Okay? So let's go back to the verse once again. And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues. Nice work, brother. And preaching the gospel of the kingdom. God's dome that he owns, the metaphysical, and it's his story. That's exactly what we're, we're teaching right now. Whose story? Who? God, when, when God ordained those lights in the heaven, did he put Draco up there? Did he put Cassiope up there? Did he put Cepheus and all the, all the rest of the characters and Orion and Aradness and you know, Leo and Leo Minor? Who put it there? God, which means it's what? His story. Where is that? It's in the dome, which is his. And where is that? It's in, the, it's in heaven. And where, what's that? That's his. The very language that they're using to explain exactly where they are is found in the language. Meaning, the language that they're using exactly pinpoints where you are. The preaching of the gospel, God's story, and the dome. It's above your head. And what did he do? I'm gonna, we're getting late here, so I'm going to finish this baby up. Um, and his fame went out throughout all Syria. You know what? I'm just going to go through that. I was going to go over that, but it's too much time here. Syria, just, uh, there's a, I'll just say this. So there's your gospel, Syria. It's, there's a big part of the area used to be called Aram, Aram. Um, the area of Aram did not develop into a bigger empire. It consisted of a number of small states in present day Syria and Northern Palestine. So when they say, oh, he's from Syria, right? He's in Capernaum and he's dwelling in Zebulon, which is the house and the Capernaum, which is the head. And then they tell you this, the area where they're from and you look up what it is in it's Aram. If you guys remember the, the previous chapter, we talked about, oh, I don't want to go into that. I'm going to go into that. We talked about where, anyway, Ram all day long. I don't want to go into that. So. Uh, let's finish this baby up here. So, um, okay, um, and his fame went throughout all Syria. So basically, once again, he was teaching the synagogues, being a total trickster, doing everything that he's not supposed to do according to their stupid-ass laws, and he just set up a new uh, New Testament, if you will, and everybody saw this, and they're like, this guy is awesome, man. I'm following him. Holy God. He's calling out the nonsense left and right, and his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought him, they brought into him all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those that were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. Once again, while, and a lot of times he was doing this, not specifically in this verse, but a lot of times he was doing this on the day that he was not supposed to. The very day when you're like, you're supposed to be chilling right now and having a coffee and having all the Shabbos goys do everything for you. And he's like, no, I'm, that's, I'm not going to do any of that. I think I'm just going to go heal the palsy and the sick and then teach. And I'm going to, I'm going to do that right in your synagogue. I'm going to waltz right into your doors and do that. <laughs> that's a hero. 
That's a hero. That's what you're looking at right now. <laughs> so, and there, let's finish this baby off. And there followed him great multitudes of people. Small, like Sunday service, 51 best yet. Great time of the morning. L-M-F-A-O. Yeah, we got about 40 bucks for sending your daughter. So you, you just gave me 20. I'm going to just give it right back to you. So I appreciate that, but not really. <laughs> just kidding. All right, so... So um, let's keep going here. So then, oh, I'm sorry. Um, then here's all the, the names of the places. Let's go. And then it, this is how it ends, right? So he's out. He's healing all the people with the palsy and the lunatic and possessed with devils and all that sort of thing. And there he followed, uh, and there followed him great multitudes of people and all of these terms, every single one of these terms are there to pinpoint directly where God is and that's within you. Galilee. Let's go. Let's walk through this. So I'm going to make sure that... Here, let's bring this down here so it's a lot easier. Okay, let's start. And let's look at each one of these words and then we'll finish this baby off. And a lot of these we've already covered, so just so we know. Okay, let's see. The first one is Galilee. Let's talk about Galilee. What does Galilee mean? The word gale comes from mad, frantic, or bewitched winds. So Galilee, Galilee. Gal comes from gale, which is a, a strong wind. It's a, a gale force winds is what they call it. Mad, frantic, bewitched winds. A lee is on the side which is sheltered from the wind as to be under the lee of a ship. So it literally, lee is referring to a place in the ship which is sheltered from the wind. Okay? And um, so it's a mad, frantic wind. And it's on the side of a ship which is sheltered from the wind. And a lee is also known as leeward, is the direction opposite to the way which the wind is currently blowing. So Galilee means region, rolling, uh, blowing, that sort of thing. From the verb to roll or to encircle. So here we have a mad frantic wind. A place that's protected from that mad frantic wind. And what is that wind doing? It's encircling and rolling. Here's Galilee, guys. So Gal Jesus, right, he's in Galilee. First off, you have two crosses there. You have the what's known as the false cross. Now, that's not like some, it's not like the Luciferian cross or like, oh, that's Satan's cross. No, it's called the false cross because when you're looking at in the south and you're actually trying to find the actual cross, sometimes they're misconstrued. They're, they're you know, they're mistaken for one another. So we have the false cross, which is actually within the Argo Navis. There's Karina and Vela. Right next to that false cross is the southern crux. So right near this area of a ship, that's a ship. Right by that ship, literally in the ship, is a cross. Right next to that is a cross. What is the symbol that Jesus is known for? A cross? Correct? Now, the name Galilee literally means on the side of a ship which is sheltered from the wind. Where is that cross? Tell You tell me where that cross is. There's Karina. Veil is right underneath. Veil is the, 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 the vela, which is the sails, the sails of a ship. Karina, Vela, Pupis is right there. There's your Argo Navis. Where is that cross? Where's the other cross? Is it on this? You could literally say that this is on the side of a ship, protected from the wind. What takes the wind on a ship? Is it the sails? Is it the Vela, which is right there? Now it also says rolling region from the verb galal to roll or encircle. What is right by this ship, this big sails, which is protecting the cross from the wind? What's it right by? The center pole of the earth, earth and heavens. 
And what does that pole do? It rolls or encircles the stars. That's that's absolutely what's going on. And no one could deny that. Gale, wind, Lee, protection from the wind. Galilee, a region of rolling to roll and encircle. Where are we right now? There's two crosses by a big sail on a ship that's doing what? Protecting him from the winds of time, if you will. And it's literally rolling and encircling. Once again, when you start with the presupposition that we're dealing with astrotheology, all of this stuff is unfolded right in front of you. And there followed him great multitudes from people from Galilee and from Decapolis. What does Deca mean? Ten. What does Polis mean? City. What's the city of ten? Well, you got ten up here and ten down there. When the angels came and ministered unto Jesus, and we said, well, what are those angels and what are they? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, which represents what? The base 10 system, Decapolis, group of 10 cities, or the city of 10, Deca 10, Polis 10, or Polis city. 10 is the decimal system. It's a subtle reference to, once again, you. By the way, the Polis is represented, once again, and the Zodiac man, the center pole of the earth, which is exactly where we they just mentioned we are right there to roll and encircle the center pole of the earth represents the center pole within you according to the zodiac man as above so below on earth as it is in heaven the kingdom of heaven resides within you the whole bit so the city of 10 the pole the pole this is where on the right that's where we are in the story right um astrologically celestial celestially to the left is where we are materially celestial terrestrial you are the city of 10. So when this says all of this here, let's go back here. Oh my God, I'm oh, right here. I'm right, right. Galilee, where are we? It's pointing to the pole in which the rolls and encircles, and then that represents the center pole within you. Then it goes to the capitalist and it tells you about the pole of 10, which represents you. Then it tells you about the city of peace. What is the city of peace? Because that's what Jerusalem is, the city of peace. Salem means Salome, means peace. Um, right, so Jeru, Jerusalem, it means the city of peace. There's no question about this. And then it tells you what is the city city of peace, though that'd be where God is, right? And where is that? That's the, that's the cube. Revelation tells you, and the city lieth foursquare, and the length is large as breadth, and you measure the city with reed, twelve thousand furlongs, length and breadth and height of it are equal. That's a square, four square length, breadth, height equal. You give that to any basic carpenter, they're gonna, you know, more often than not, gonna give you a, a square, all right, or a, or a cube. What does the cube represent? You. Up, down, left, right, forward, and reverse. It's literally how you go through time. X, Y, Z. Every, every mention of these places in this last verse are mentioning of the place of you. Galilee, Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea. We've covered this one. Judea, number one. When we look at phonologically, phonetically, Precious stone, the Jew day, ah, day is literally light, right? That's what happens in the day. The light comes up on the horizon. Day is the Latin for die. What is a die? It's a cube. Ah is a, is a vowel of elation. Jew, precious stone. What is a stone? It's a cube. Day, die. What is a die? It's a cube. And what's ah? Elation. It's all pointing to you. It literally means to praise. 
The place of the Jews, the place of the praisers, that's what Judea is. Where's the precious stone? It's within you. Where's Decapolis? City of ten. You. Where's the city of peace? You. Where's Zebulon? You. Last one. Judea and from beyond Jordan. Well, we know what Jordan is. Jordan is the unique name of both Greek and Hebrew origins, and it means to flow down or descend. It, literally, Jordan is a river, which means to flow down or descend. And what did we cover last, I think it was last, last Sunday? What's Aradness? It's the place where they went and baptized all those people and they washed them clean of their sins so their sins would flow down the Aradnus River that, that exists in the sky right next to one of the most notable constellations being Orion is a river that flows all the way south and Jordan means what? To flow down south. And what is this representing of, of you? Well, we already covered it. Your cleansing, your spiritual cleansing so that you can be light as a feather and get up to God. You're letting those heavy sins wash away down the river of Jordan, Aradness, that flows down south. And that's exactly what the Aradness does. So that you can cleanse yourself, so that you can raise yourself up to what? The still high point in the heavens. And that's going to do it. Thank you all for... Oh, Telegram, huh? Rockfin. Rockfin, let me say hi to you people here. Angie A., thank you so much. Money for the swear jar. Thank you, Jason Reed. Thank you so much. So, uh, thank you so much. And Telegram, we got tellies? You get money. Ooh, ooh. Oh, uh, Remnant Highway SSM sent $20. Thank you so much, Remnant Highway. I appreciate that. Um, the tellies. And then uh, what we should do is actually count how much I owe uh, Veda here. Oh, Jesus. My hand is heavy now since we got the... Let's see. We'll have to count this later. It, that's going to take a few hours. <laughs> I seriously have about probably like eight bucks here. So, Veda, nice work. So, you can thank your papa, Scott. Uh, Veda just made probably about seven, eight bucks there. And so, if this keeps going, like I said, um, you will be able to put the down payment on that yacht, Scott. So... Okay, um, where do we got here? What do we got? Lucy Short, thank you so much. John Avena, the truth seeker, $5. Thank you so much. Aaron Esser, 21. Thank you so much. Carrie Musgrave, thank you so much. Magical Steven, uh, loving the Sunday service. Thank you, Martin. Thank you. Someone bought me three coffees. God bless you all. Ruth Scott, once again, thank you so much. You guys are the best. I really appreciate all the support. I hope you guys did learn something today. And once again, if you would like to buy the masterpiece, baby, what are we up to now? 370 is stalling. 370? I'm upset. We're trying to get this to $4,320. Anjay needs a fat check sent to him. So Anjay, right now you're getting $370. So we have till the next Sunday to get this baby up. And like I said, I don't care where we have to send this. We have to send this. To, we'll ship it all cost on us. We'll get the, you know, a nice, uh, Nice frame for it and everything like that. And we'll ship it out free. I don't care where we have to ship it. Antarctica, the Arctic Circle, Portland, Oregon, Portland, Maine. It'll be on us. We don't care because we want you to have this fine masterpiece that will go to my friend Anjay over there to help him out. So I appreciate everybody that um, has um, 
Actually, I don't know. I don't know. That's This is kind of ridiculous. But thank you so much. So, guys, I just want to say thank you. I love my tribe. I love you guys. I uh, think you guys, I really appreciate everybody that's so upstanding and outstanding and upright and has a great sense of humor and is really here to learn and, and, and knows the kind of person that I actually am. And I really appreciate that, guys. Um, I'm glad you can see you guys are good bites is what I want to say. You guys are all good, good bites. Now, someday Jennifer and I are going to talk about the difference between good bird and then a not so good bird. And we can talk about meaty birds and then planty birds. And we'll go over the whole spectrum of birds. But just so you guys know, you guys are my nasty birds. I love you guys. All right. So the bird, the bears, the bears have their bears. <laughs> we should start calling them birds. The bears have their bears and that's fine. That's cool. And, but we have our birds. So, cause we want to fly like Cygnus up to that. Pole star and <clears throat> free our souls. Okay, so anyway, thank you guys so much for being here. I really appreciate it. If you'd like to support the work, GnosticAcademy.org. Yes, it is an academy and it is a church. There's tons of stuff on there for you to learn. All right, great videos, an entire podcast, documentaries, music, the whole kit and caboodle, lots of stuff for you to learn. I really appreciate everybody that does stop by there. Um, we're going to end it here. May you always keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ onto eternal life. May his grace be with you all. Amen. I really appreciate you guys um, being here and all the support and everything like that. It really means the world to me. We're heading down uh, this next week to... Uh, Missouri, Missouri, not Missouri, or it's Missouri, so, and we're going to be looking for land, and so we appreciate everybody that's reached out and has offered up their place, Perspective 96, and Chance, and, and Jack Tay, Jack Tay girl, appreciate that, really do, so we're going to listen to a song by Chris Whitley on the way out called Scrapyard Lullaby, and if you guys are not Chris Whitley fans, what the, what the fuck is your problem? Chris Whitley is a great singer-songwriter. If you guys are not familiar with Chris Whitley, highly recommend Chris Whitley. The, uh, he's got a record called Weed that's really good. He's got a record called Dirt Floor that's really good. Uh, another one, Hotel Vast Horizon. Fantastic singer-songwriter, great guitar player, and really, really unique. So if you're not into, uh, if you're not familiar with Chris Whitley, highly recommend it. So we're going to do that. All right, guys, that's going to do it for me. Thank you all for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for all the support. Thanks for everybody that has purchased the books. You can get the new leads. These are the new leads. And if you want to be a closer, you'll support. You'll donate and you'll get the new leads. Otherwise, you'll be shining my shoes. Okay? All right. Thanks, guys. We really appreciate it. I will see you next, next week. As always, many blessings and much love to all.
things are never as they appear. Got a natural girl in my careless head. Say for the girl who can really understand all that it takes to see you. It goes from the album. Down a street of lies, singing these scrapyard lullabies. Translation down a street of lies. Singing scrap your lullaby. 